Replay. Grow your law firm using task management for teams with David Zampano, episode 290. Are you ready to make your law firm a profit-generating machine that will free up your time and skyrocket your impact? With more than two decades of business growth experience and having proven that you can be successful while prioritizing your family and your impact, introducing the Profit with Law podcast. I am your host, the creator of the firm differentiator 10x effect, Moshe Amsel. Welcome to another amazing guest interview here on the Profit with Law podcast. I'm your host, Moshe Amsel, and today I have a special treat for you because I've got Dave Zampano, the founder and uh, CEO of Lawyers with Purpose. Now, I'm really excited for this conversation because in our green room conversation, when we started to chat before this recording, uh, we really connected with um, our alignment of, of what we what we look at when we look at a business owner. And with, from this podcast, Profit With Law, if you've been listening to us for any bit of time, if you're a new listener, definitely I want to make clear, you know, clear this up for you. A law practice is not a professional services firm. It is a business. And you need to look at it as a business. So many people focus on you know, revenue metrics. They focus on, you know, how, you know, how big is my office? How nice is my lobby? You know, how many people do I have on staff? And those are the wrong things to focus on. You should be focusing on how much money am I taking home? And what is my profit margin? And how do I increase that? Um, yes, you need to bring in more clients. Yes, you need to have staff. Yes, you need to have all those things, but they need to be with the per- ultimate purpose of you growing your business and you don't grow your business by just looking at those other numbers. You have to look at the profitability. You have to look at your time that you're at and your effort that you're putting in. And you have to be able to be stepping that back as you grow and not be making it more uh, because at some point you become a slave to the job. So uh, I really like um, what Dave has done um, and Dave has done a lot in the legal industry, and I can't wait to dive into that conversation to share it with you. But I am going to share um, the uh, official bio here. I'll read that off. And then I'm going to uh, bring Dave on and we'll get to hear from him about his journey and, uh, and ask him questions and, and really get some insight that hopefully will help you on your journey as well. So Dave is an entrepreneur who practices law. As an attorney and CPA, he started his law firm 25 years ago and has since increased it 30 times and added multiple additional legal industry-related companies. It all began when Dave read The E-Myth by Michael Gerber and started focusing on systemizing his estate planning practice. Now, I just want to quickly say, if you haven't read E-Myth by Michael Gerber, go read it. Basically, in that book, he explains the difference between a business owner and the technician. The technician is, that's the lawyer. That's, you know, that's doing the practice of law. That's the technical work. You can farm that out to anybody. Anybody can be a lawyer. But owning a business, recognizing that you have the power to buy other people's time to, uh, to elevate your business to that level from there is really what that book is all about. If you haven't read it, it's a must read. And by the way, if you like reading business books or if you know you need to be reading and you haven't been able to, check out our book club for lawyers. It's called The Reader's Nook. And you can go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash book club in order to join. It's absolutely free at this time. Uh, if you're listening to this in the future, 
and we are charging for it. I apologize for misleading you. But right now, at the time <laughs> of this recording, it's free. So um, Dave read Emeth by Michael Gerber, started focusing on systemizing his estate planning practice. Since then, Dave has become known as the founder of the Medicaid practice industry and industry exclusive IPUG Asset Protection Trust. Dave has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, has educated a plethora of local, regional, and national financial services and and legal organizations. He's an author of many law review articles, books, trainings on estate planning, Medicaid planning, asset protection planning, and law firm practice management. He resides in central New York and Southwest Florida with his wife of 30 years, Christine, and they enjoy um, uh, enjoy time with their three adult children, Maria, Olivia, and Angelo, an extended family totaling near 100. Near 100? Yeah, I'm the youngest of 10 kids, yeah. All right, well... Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get to talk to Dave in just a moment, but before I do that, I want to take a moment and share a word from our sponsors who make the show possible. We'll be right back. Finding amazing employees is the toughest job for any business, and especially for a law firm. You deserve to be the law firm owner you've always wanted to be, but you can't get there without a great team. Get staffed up helps you build your all-star team by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore virtual assistants. Work with Get Staffed Up to save money and your biggest resource, time, while they find you the best English-speaking VAs in the world. Hashtag delegate your way to freedom. To learn more, go to profitwithlaw.com forward slash get staffed up. Profitwithlaw.com forward slash get staffed up. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior virtual receptionist service for small businesses. They specialize in working with solo and small law firms. I discovered Smith AI a couple of years ago and was blown away by the range of services, which are available at a cost any attorney, even those of you in the smallest solo practice can afford. Their friendly receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for consults. The best part is they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on websites and via text message. If there's one growth hack to your practice, this is it. Smith's friendly gatekeepers can staff your front lines. They'll capture new leads while you work uninterrupted. You can finally have the peace of mind that while you're working, you're not missing out on future work. Plans start at just $210 a month for calls and $140 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like Justy Nickel in Colorado say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth and client happiness. Smith AI offers a free trial and podcast listeners can get an extra $100 discount with promo code ProfitLaw100. That's ProfitLaw100. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. Well, Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I love your topic. I, I, I want to listen every week, if not to participate. It's just a great conversation I could talk about endlessly. Absolutely. And I do talk about it endlessly and we never run out of things to discuss. Um, so it is a great topic. And more importantly, it's, it, it's not just a topic, right? It's, it, it, um, 
when you're a business owner, you have to live and breathe this stuff. And if you don't, if you are afraid to talk about numbers, if you're afraid to take a leap of faith, if you're afraid to take on a risk, um, all of those things could basically seal the deal for you to not be able to do what you wanted to do. And you might end up just replacing a job with another job where you're your own boss, but you're not really able to do anything more than collect a paycheck. And most people who start a law firm are not doing it for that reason. And therefore, we want to help them. We want to help them navigate these un, um, unknown waters to be able to achieve the level of success that they want. And um, so let's, let's dive into this. First of all, whoa, what's with your family? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm the youngest of 10 children, and uh, all of us uh, have kids. So just my immediate family alone were 55, just my brothers, sisters, and kids and parents. And then um, now we've got the grand, the grand nieces and nephews that are starting to grow. And that's not even counting cousins yet. So we've, you know, nice Italian family. Uh, we, uh, we're very close to all of our cousins. And so uh, there, there's a boatload. We have a lot of fun together. Yeah, but that's really I, so, why we're in the state planning. It's really all about family. That's been our model for years. You know, you know it's very interesting because uh, I grew up Jewish. Um, I grew up Orthodox. I'm not practicing anymore, but um, I too come from a large family. I have 76 first cousins and people yeah. are like, you know, they're blown away by numbers like that. But I actually, one of my first cousins is married. So he's from a family of 13 and he married somebody who's from a family of 21. Now imagine oh how many first cousins their children are going to have. Um, it's just oh unbelievable. Aunts and uncles. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's wild. I mean, you, you don't even, can't even remember, remember all your aunts and uncles names. Well, hopefully there's some that estate scenario. planners in that family. <laughs> we'll have a private yeah. business just supporting the family. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's very interesting. And what's also interesting is that because of my upbringing and because of my own experiences, my mission is very family oriented. Uh, so we're on the mission to help people create generational wealth. Uh, we want to help people uh, create wealth that they can uh, help give a leg up to their future generations in, you know, in life. Um, not necessarily to raise spoiled brats, but to be able to, you know, to, you know, get them started in the right way. Um, and ultimately, if you want to help the world in other ways, because you're able to do so, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, but that's the first focus of, you know, what we're trying to do with our clients. And, you know, Moshe, that's what we have done at Lawyers of Purpose for years. You know, uh, our motto is protecting the personal and financial freedom of families, right? Personal freedom. Who's making your choices for you when you can't? Those got to be people you choose, right? Not, not the government, not courtrooms and people in you know, robes that you've never met before. Uh, and then how are we protecting your financial freedom, right? So, you know, we know about the Kennedys, the DuPonts, all these people who have used wealth. Well, what we have done at Lawyers with Purpose has been able to make and bring all those strategies that the wealthy have used and we bring it to common everyday folk. We have people that we're doing an, uh, asset protection planning. They may have $150,000, $200,000, but to them, that's a million dollars, right? And so right. it's really about protecting the personal financial freedoms, like you said, growing the wealth of families, um, all those things. And we do it through, again, being good lawyers, but also learning how to run a business so we can serve more people. That's what really would drives me. How many people as we lawyers are we able to serve in a given day? Because at the end of the day, if we can't help people, if we're just sitting in our office, cranking through legal work and not having impact on people, then we're losing out on the greatest opportunity in our business called a law practice. 
Yeah, I love I love that, and it's so true because when when you first start out a business, you're you're trying to figure out okay, how do I make the money that I envisioned I was able to make? It's about it starts out being about the money, um, but at some point when you leave reach a certain level of success and money becomes less important, then it starts to be okay, what is the impact that I'm leaving? How how can I increase the impact that 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 I'm creating? And if you can recognize that the ultimate goal is impact and not money, you can short circuit that, right? You can start with the impact and the money will follow. That's the number one thing I tell my members, right? They're all looking, well, how much am I going to get? What am I going to stop looking at what you're going to get? Give. So let me tell you a quick story. I told you I uh, grew up in an entrepreneur family. My mom and dad, uh, my mother just lost her in November at 95. Let me tell you a little story. It's worth the story. In the 1920s and 30s, she worked with her father. And in 1946, he got ill and she had to go out and see some of the clients. My grandfather got a call, don't you ever send a woman to do a man's job, okay? By 1965, my mother took that company over. And in the 25 years, her and my father ran it, they increased at 37-fold. So that's why I gave you the background. Can I tell you a piece of advice my mother gave me? that I never forgot and I share every t- with every person I can that's in the entrepreneur world. She said, Dave, put your head down, work hard, give people more than they expect and the rest will happen. And that's the greatest thing in the law. Everybody's worried about how am I gonna make payroll? Well, that's a different issue if you can't make payroll, right? That's, we gotta talk to you about on another round. But if you do good and, and you, you keep people's focus and you create value for others, I've never had a problem making payroll. It's, it's, they, they will come to you and, and it just works that way. And I guess sense you feel the same thing. And I think that's really important. You know, it, if you go out, I mean, just think, you know, people, you come across people and the first thing you see is they want to know, well, what can you do for me? <laughs> right. But then you're like, whoa, they feel like there's a blood sucker on you somewhere. Well, right. how do you think they feel when that's what we're trying to do is just get hired? No, we don't want to get hired. We want to solve problems. If you identify their problem, their risk, their concern, and you have a solution to that problem, they will throw money at you. And then they'll refer all their family and friends. And in my practice, I always find they also bake cookies and brownies, which is a nice bonus. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is always nice to get some gifts in the mail, which uh, sometimes I get um, from people who have been, and this is not a hint to you at all, Dave, but for sometimes some of the guests on the podcast or some people who have spoken at an event we do um, send me something. It's completely unnecessary, but it's nice to get it, you know, and right. when receiving that um, is nice. And, um, you know, we should really be giving them something for coming and, and sharing with us and, and being on uh, you know, on our, our medium and, and, uh, and sharing with our audience. Uh, but I love that, you know, give, give as much as you can. And um, one of the places that I start with my clients in trying to navigate how to serve your customers best is to really understand your client journey, to really understand what is the struggle that your client is facing. And then how do you, uh, you know, how do you navigate that for them? So, if you build your your law practice around their problems and solving their problems, you can change the flow of your of 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 what happens in your firm. You can change the way that you work with them. You can change the way that that your staff talks to them, to to 
basically cater to those needs. And when you cater to somebody's emotional needs, when you, when you make them feel like their problems already solved, even though you haven't solved it yet, um, that's when you're able to win across the board over and over again. And it's not just about getting a client. It's about having a client leave feeling like they should have paid you more than they did. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're extremely happy with the experience that they had. You know, you make great comments, but I feel like I have known you here less than an hour. And I, I just feel like we're, we're brothers from another mother, but cause here's why all that sounds great. Right. But there's no saying, what are we getting done by lunch? Wouldn't it be great if it's all good? Dave, just give them more than they want, but I still can't make payroll. Here's the bottom line. Having a successful law practice. And again, uh, I'm, I work in my local law school on this and Law school doesn't teach us how to be entrepreneurial. It doesn't teach us how to run a business because traditional law practices, you know, they want you to go into the who's got to be on law review and do this. Look, 95% of us aren't on law review. 95% of us aren't going to go in the big law firm model. So let's not worry about the 5% or even less than that. What are the rest of us doing? Really, it comes down to a couple things. And you know this too. I, th I think most of you would agree. No matter how good we are, I always say, who's the most important person in your office? And who do, what do lawyers naturally say? Well, me. I say, no, you're the least important. The person who answers that phone is the most important. Because if that's not the right person, you're never going to get to meet them. <laughs> okay? Right. The other thing I find is lawyers and how they talk about their teams. It's an adversarial relationship. And, and what we do is we help build, and not we, but what I've been... What I love about my businesses, my people love me and I love them. We're always growing together. They're doing things. They don't need to be handheld. They want the same thing I want. And that comes back to culture. What is your culture you're creating? What are your core values? Do you have core values? Do you have a North Star? What is everybody anchoring to? What's the message? Do you believe it? Do your people believe it? And I'm going to be a little blunt. I've had the blessing to work with over a thousand lawyers over the last 20 years. And I mean, hand to hand work with over a thousand. And, and what I find is most of them have a block and their block is that intellectually lawyers are in the top 2% of Americans. That's not going to make you successful. What's going to make you successful is relational, right? How do you connect with the people in your office? Because how you connect with them is how you're going to connect with the external world. You could be the best in the world, but if your people aren't, if they don't have the same passion you do, if they don't have the same values you do, it's not going to translate. You can't fake it. I mean, you can't, but if, you're in, if, you're, if, you're, if your organization doesn't emulate those things, it's just you're climbing up a hill, pulling a, a thousand pound uh, trailer behind you. So really, I think the first step is getting really clear what's important to you. I'm blessed in the estate planning, although asset protection field, People are banging down your door for it. There's not enough attorneys. Um, that's why we've always been really good at getting, you know, litigators and other people transitioned into this area because people go, oh my God, it's too complicated. Well, it is complicated if you don't have a process, right? But when you have processes and structure and there's trainings and, 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 and the trainings don't, aren't just talking at you, but they're interactive and you're working the concepts as you're learning them. You get confident, right? Because everything comes down to our confidence, right? If we're not confident, it doesn't really matter. I, I've had lawyers, they lack confidence. Their team around them has got the person all ready to say yes. And then the lawyer, you know, does something to exude non-confidence. And if you have non-confidence, then the 
client or the prospect is going to go, whoa, what am I missing here? If he's not sure, right? So how do we become confident? How do we build a team around us to keep us all maintained and focused on that confidence? And then how do we do good work? Consistently do good work. That's the e-myth, right? Systems, right? The pie baker and, and the e-myth, right? And if you think yep. about Michael Gerber, he said there's three parts to every company. The, the manager, um, right? The, the technician and the entrepreneur. And what Gerber says, and I, I mean, wh- when I read that book in 99, I did something transformative. I began to live that book instead of just read mm-hmm. it. And he said, you know, most of us are um, 70% technician, 20% manager, and 10% entrepreneur. We have to become 80% or more entrepreneur. And then right. how do you do that? Systems and processes. So yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's overwhelming, it seems. But here's my comment. Time is going by anyway. It's just what we're doing during that time. A year is going to go by. Two years is going to go by. A month is going to go by. Are you going to be doing the same thing a year from now that you're doing now? You're going to have the same complaints. Most people trudge forward and they make progress, but not transformative progress. You need systems. You need infrastructure. You need mindset. Um, and, and you got to want to really commit to a long-term goal, not short-term. Maybe it's looking to get to their next payroll. What do you want to be when you grow up, right? What do you want for your life in the next five years, the next 10 years? When you start there, it gives you a different perspective of what you're doing today. And most people wake up today saying, what's going to hit me and how do I fix it? I wake up today saying, hey, I got one year, three year and five year goals. What am I doing today to move me toward those? And it gives you reason to wake up. It gives you reason to have your team connected because they're looking at the future while they're in the present. And it really becomes a different way of working. Yeah, I uh, there's so many things that you said that that I you know I I could circle back to, but I want to go back to right at the beginning where you said you know lawyers are in the top two percent intellectually in the you know in the world, and yet it doesn't take intellect to grow a successful business. And I, I just want to point out if you if you look back, and I'm talking to my listeners, if you look back at your elementary school class or your high school class. And look at the people who you thought, you know, they, you know, they were like the C grade students. They were always slacking, never going to make it. And look at those and and try to find maybe a few of them that have become business owners. What's crazy is, is that many entrepreneurs are the ones who never went to college. They're the ones who, you know, they just went and they went out and they had the hustle, they had the drive and they went and they did something and they created something. And what that shows is it doesn't take intellect. It doesn't take book knowledge. It takes the ability to just to, decide to go and do something and, and, and execute on it. Um, and sure, they probably had challenges along the way, but that was their path. And if you, if you recognize that it's, it's not about the smarts, it's not about how much you know. I mean, so many people tell me, well, they don't teach business in law school, right? Well, Great. So you didn't get taught it. And guess what? I went to school for business, right? I have an MBA and they didn't teach me entrepreneurship in, in, in business school, right? right? You, don't, it, you don't learn this by going yeah. to class and learning something. You learn this by executing, by doing, by taking action. And, um, and I, I think that 
when the more that people recognize that and realize that this is just not, it's not something that's going to happen on its own and you have to do something to make it happen. That's really how successful business owners are made. The other thing that, that you shared that I wanted to go back on is the fact that you wake up in the morning and you've got your one year, three year, five year goals. And you know that, you know, this is the thing that I need to do today to execute on my goals, to be able to achieve them. You know, you're the captain of a ship or you're the navigator of a space shuttle, whatever it is, right? And if you're not constantly checking your destination and checking to see that you're on track to your destination, you're going to get lost or you're going to take a longer trip than necessary. And you might run out of fuel along the way, or people might get sick and you don't have access to the help that you need because you took the longer route, right? There, there's things that can happen and that's just an analogy, but that's, that's what's, that's what's going on. Right. And so many people are navigating day in, day out without even knowing what the destination is, let alone checking to see if you're on track to it. And I, when I work with my clients and we have an, a program called the 90 day law firm turnaround program. And in that program, we help you figure out what that destination is and create that path. Yeah. So create the map to get there. Um, but when you leave that and you're, and you go into it, we teach you to, to go back and do 90 day, you know, quarterly reviews. And but you're, every week you're, you're setting your intention for that week. That's based on that 90 day project, that 90 day quarter that you're going to be um, executing on. And I think it's so important. And, and this is, this is the kind of stuff that no, it doesn't get taught. But you have to find what works for you. Not everybody can wake up on Monday morning and have a planning meeting. Not everybody can use a planner and write in there and, and, and live by it. So you have to find the thing that works for you that's going to make sure that, that you're not walking into the office and getting completely derailed by everything that's coming your way and therefore not doing what needs to happen in order to be moving towards your goal. You know, so many things. Uh, I hope we got a couple hours here because I'm telling you, this is great stuff. <laughs> um, I think I remember back to law school, the A students become the judges and the B students work for the C students. That's what we were always told, right? But, you know, I want to just keep adding on and adding layers to what you're saying. Um, there's a challenge with most mindsets. Um, and anyone listening to this today, society has become entitled and and instant. Everybody's entitled to success and I want it now. Give mm -hmm. me the magic button. Okay. Right. So here's the magic button. I'm going to give it to you. You ready? Write this down. Magic button. It's free. Discipline and commitment to growth. Right. You have to become a lifetime learner. If you think you know everything, shut down now. I'm telling you, I wake up every day. Every person I meet, if I meet someone on the street, they know something I don't know. I want to know what they know that I don't know. And I, I, I engage with people because I don't assume I know everything. And that is such an important element of growing your business. You, I, I cannot tell you in the, my old practice before I evolved, you know, I would tell, do this, do this. And then I stopped. At some point I got coaching and I learned. I say, well, how would you do this? I'm telling you three out of four times the stuff they tell me is better than what I would have told them. Of course. But see, I think I know too much, right? You've got to be a lifetime learner. You got to be open and then you got to be disciplined. This isn't easy and it isn't quick and it isn't, it isn't, it takes consistency, right? Discipline. So what do we do? We build systems around that, a planning system, planning system that does three things. What are the current things that are holding you back, that are dragging you down, that you need to get off your plate? 
We call that our past-based activities. What's in front of you right now that you need to complete to move you forward? That's our present-based activities. Then we go to our planning, which, okay, what's ahead of us that we're planning into our future? That's our future-based activities. And we have a color-coded cash flow calendaring system that we've created based on this planning system. It says, listen, do the planning at your, at your way, but the infrastructure doesn't change. The content doesn't change. All that changes is the time that what you do it. And so, again, systems, processes, ways to address this, but it's not going to happen in a day. People join all the time. How come I'm not a millionaire? Well, you've been a member 32 days now. Uh, give us a little time, right? So it's not instant. It takes discipline and constant willingness to be open to continue to learning things. And, and that's what you're doing on, on your podcast, right, Moshe? Is that you're, you're really saying to people, look, we're bringing different people on, get different perspectives. How do you have a, how do you get a law firm that's measurably improving and increasing? It's a mindset together with systems and processes. Yeah. And, and guess what? The, you brought up the podcast example. It's a perfect example where consistency is key. You know, if you want to have a successful podcast, you got to keep getting behind the microphone. You got to keep delivering at the same day, same time. Every time somebody opens their player, they should know it's Tuesday morning. I, I'm expecting to see an episode of the Profit With Law podcast. And if you violate that um, once, maybe they'll forgive you. But more than once, twice, and, three times, and, and you'll lose your listener. And not uh, promoting your stuff, right? Bringing things on that make your audience grow. That's what we have to do as entrepreneurs. Don't sit there and say, how can you buy stuff from me? What can we give them? That's what you're doing here. You're giving your listeners opportunities to meet different people, get different perspectives. It's not about selling what you're doing. That's a byproduct because people like the way you think. They want to be associated with you, which I'm a big fan of. You find people that think like you, grab on, grab arms. That's called community. There's a whole community of attorneys out there that focus on business and focus on how to grow a practice. Yes, understanding the law is important. But that's not going, I mean, I'm going to tell you, you guys all have seen it. You've seen half-baked attorneys that don't know Jack. They stink as lawyers and they're driving BMWs and everything because they're good at relationships. And this is really, how do you put all that together so we can have good lawyering with good uh, relationships, good practices, and most importantly, helping more people? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's funny because I've done such a good job of elevating everybody else on my show and not talking about my stuff that recently when we ran our law firm growth summit and at the end of the summit, I, I pitched my 90 day law firm turnaround program. I had people reaching out to me saying, oh, I never knew that you did that. I had signed up with this <laughs> other coach and I didn't even know that you do that. So we, you know, sometimes you got You got to You got to sell yourself a little bit, but uh, you're absolutely right. I, I think that you know, same thing on, on LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn outreach program. And, and um, when I reach out on LinkedIn, I don't, I don't reach out and say, Hey, I've got this for you. I want to sell you this. Instead, I reach out and I say, here's, here's something that I can share with you that you might benefit from. And then, you know, after a couple of, of conversations back and forth, I invite them to a phone call where we can learn more about each other. There's never, I'm never trying to sell myself in that process. As a matter of fact, I don't even know what I'm trying to sell, right? Because yeah. I don't know what they, I don't know what they need. So like, what would be the point of reaching out to them and pitching them something when I don't know what their pain points are? I don't know what they're dealing with. And I probably can help them in some way. Sometimes it's just connecting them with somebody else who can help them. Let me give you an example, Moshe. That's a great example of how I can now bring together real life, legal, technical with process, right? 
So let's use our, let me give you an example of what we call our, um, uh, we have a relationship management system and then we have what's called the client enrollment system. So when we go out and market, so I'm an estate planning elder law asset protection attorney. What makes me unique, not only do I have a national organization, I actually run a real firm doing this every day, right? So I get to see, eat and drink and what's really happening in the world. It's not, it's not textbook-like, right? right? So what, when we go to the marketplace, we don't say hire us because we're the best. You say, listen, are you concerned about losing your lifetime of assets to long-term care? Do you have a loved one that's starting to get dementia? These things, are there people out there that have that? Then we say, okay, come to a free informational workshop where nothing will be sold. What we're going to do is we're going to teach you all the things you need to know so that you are empowered to help your loved one. Now, in that workshop, we tell 13 stories. All those stories are real life stories that everyone in that room can relate to. And each one is tied behind a legal concept that we teach the legal concept behind it. And we say, look, we just talked to you. We've told you a lot of stuff. And I got to tell you, I've had 85 year olds come to this workshop and go, oh my gosh, I never knew all this stuff. This is so important. And then we say, well, look, here's the problem. You've got all this information. How much of it applies to you? So then we invite them into what's called a vision meeting, again, at no cost. Come in, we're gonna go through the 13 stories. You're gonna tell us which ones you care about and which ones you don't. And you're gonna rank each one on a scale of one to 10. And then when you're done, you're gonna tell us of the 13, which ones are important and how important. And we're gonna show you three different options you can go based on the numbers you've given us. And we have a path that goes three different ways. I've had people with $2 million choose a, a $995 plan. And I've had people with $150,000 choose a $10,000 plan because we don't, sell, we don't sell documents. We don't sell trust. We don't sell wills. We sell solutions to people's problems, right? So there's an example how you can process making it about them. Then they're choosing. You're not selling anything. I'm like, look, I'll help you any way you want. Here's the numbers. What number is more important? If you want that, then you've got to be in this structure here. If you're not worried about that piece, you can go down to this other structure that's a lot less money. Because in the end, I'm not there to get paid. I'm there to provide a service and get paid for what I do. If they need a service that has a lot, then I'll be paid more. If they have a service that we can simplify down, why not? It saves me time. It saves them time. And it all works together. And then that builds who you are in the community. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, I just had this conversation with my coaching clients. We had an entire call talking about pricing. And I explained to them that if you create this menu where there's three options for them to choose from, which you, you covered, you know, a, a great point, which is, you know, you're letting them decide which is the right solution for them. So, and so you're not just offering them one way to work with you. And then they either can or can't do that. Um, but there's another thing, and that is it takes away the decision of should I be working with you at all or not? When you provide them with three options and you say, here, this is, th these are the different ways that we can serve you. And this is what you get in this box this is what you get in this box. Is what... Then they're looking at it and they're saying, which one of these is the right one for me? And you've now directed them to a different question, which has completely eliminated the question of, should I work with you? It's an amazing um, tactic that works, um, works beautifully in the sales process and, and, you know, you wouldn't have gotten to the point where you're showing that to them if they weren't interested in working with you. So why sit there and try to convince them that you're the right attorney for them? And it's two pieces, educate to motivate, right? Educate them. Informed people will make informed decisions. So here's a test I do. So your listeners, I'm going to ask you to take my test. It's pretty simple. Okay. 
if you look at the last 10 clients that you saw for a particular purpose, so for me, it would be estate planning. I always tell this to my estate planning attorneys. If, if, if you look at the last 10 estate planning clients you've seen, if you're, uh, you know, in another area of law, translate it as best it works. And tell me that what you did different for the last 10. If it's all the same except the name, then you're just a mill. You're just selling a product and jamming everything into that product. So if instead you can educate and say, look, here's the different things, and then really create, again, you can do it again. That's what's great when you have systems. Here's the things that people hire us for. Here's the problems we solve. Which ones do you need solved? Then they will naturally gravitate and choose. And again, to do that, you know, one of the other things, Moshe, that, that the systems and processes have done in my law practice, most law practices, I, I think most people have ever, have you ever heard the story three to one, right? You should bill three times as much as you earn and all that stuff. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. So in traditional law firms, we have found that there's usually three or four attorneys per paraprofessional. In our law firm model, we've gone to three or four paraprofessionals per attorney. Now, why? Because paraprofessionals make you money. Mm-hmm. Way more than you do. To bring on a lawyer is way more complicated. Uh, lots of other issues. Paraprofessionals really. So systematizing breaks down the funding, the drafting, the, the, the probate and trust administration, all the other legal things you do. And what we have done is where most lawyers are looking for a three to one. Our lawyers are bi- typically billing or generating five to six times their salary. Five to six, not three because we delegate so much to paraprofessionals, but you can't do that if you don't have a system and process to make sure everything's being done timely and properly. Finding amazing employees is the toughest job for any business and especially for a law firm. You deserve to be the law firm owner you've always wanted to be, but you can't get there without a great team. Get Staffed Up helps you build your all-star team by staffing your law firm with incredible full-time offshore virtual assistants. Work with Get Staffed Up to save money and your biggest resource, time, while they find you the best English-speaking VAs in the world. Hashtag delegate your way to freedom. To learn more, go to ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash Get Staffed Up. ProfitWithLaw.com forward slash Get Staffed Up. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior virtual receptionist service for small businesses. They specialize in working with solo and small law firms. I discovered Smith AI a couple of years ago and was blown away by the range of services, which are available at a cost any attorney, even those of you in the smallest solo practice can afford. Their friendly receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for consults. The best part is they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on websites and via text message. If there's one growth hack to your practice, this is it. Smith's friendly gatekeepers can staff your front lines. They'll capture new leads while you work uninterrupted. You can finally have the peace of mind that while you're working, you're not missing out on future work. Plans start at just $210 a month for calls and $140 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like Justy Nickel in Colorado say, Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth and client happiness. Smith AI offers a free trial and podcast listeners 
can get an extra $100 discount with promo code ProfitLaw100. That's ProfitLaw100. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say, don't let another day go by. Try Smith AI. I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you're directing your clients to convert to a, a flat fee or fixed fee billing model oh my and, and not, and not hourly because, <laughs> and, and this is one of the things that I've harped on for the longest time here on the podcast. And I continue to, to go back to it. Um, yes, the hourly billing model is, you know, some, some people are forced into that. If you're in litigation, it becomes very, very difficult to figure out flat fee, although it can be done. And I think that you should explore I think it, you should. Um, but but in any transactional piece of law, whether it's bankruptcy, estate planning, even family law, um, you know, there's there's a, a ton of room for creating a flat or fixed fee model. And the number one benefit of doing that, besides for the fact that the clients love it, the number one benefit of doing that is you have absolute control over your costs and you can push your work down to a paraprofessional. You can even push it down to somebody who's not a paraprofessional. Right. You, can, exactly. you know, so much of the work that you do could be handed off to somebody who's an offshore VA costing you a third of the price of just a basic yeah. entry level employee. And they can do a good portion of the amount of work that needs to happen. So much of the work that happens with handling a client is collecting information from them and, and, and managing those documents and all of that the actual legal work that's being done is a small, tiny fraction of the entire process. And when, you know, when, when you look at that, you realize that you can staff your firm so differently when you don't have to go to the client and justify who is doing the work. So Moshe, let me tell you, I'm in my 29th year of practice. I haven't tracked an hour of my time. I want to say in 26 of those 29 years, in the last 26 years. But I'm going I'm to throw, throw a curveball at your concept of flat fee pricing. Uh, great. Most flat fee pricing fails, in my experience, in working with the thousands of lawyers. Why? Here's how lawyers do it. They say, okay, well, they I charge $100 an hour. <laughs> yeah, I charge 100 bucks an hour. It takes me 10 hours. I'm going to charge 1000 Then it ends up taking them 15 hours. What, what structured billing does, it keeps everybody on the same page. You're rewarded for being efficient, and the client's rewarded with knowing the outcome. Nothing's worse than a client when they get a bill and they got to see 0.2 hours they paid you for a phone call or to lick, a, lick an envelope or they're going to pay you 52 cents for the stamp. I have never in my entire 29 years of practice billed for a phone call. I've never billed for a stamp or postage or anything else because that's nickel and diming. What I do, and I'm going to use a different term, not flat fee pricing, ready? Value-based billing pricing. Mm -hmm. So when you go to value-based billing, here's what happens. Somebody comes to me, give you a true story, Mary, true story. Mary comes to me, says, Dave, I don't know you or you don't know me, but I know you. Uh, my mom just went in a nursing home. And I say, okay, how can I help you? Well, you really don't need to. I've already talked to dad's lawyer, but my sister knows you. And she says she won't do anything until we get a second opinion from you. I said, Mary, how can I help you? Mom went in the hospital today. We learned that she's not going to be come out. She has to go to a nursing home and she's going to be there by Friday. And this was a Monday. And I said, all right, Mary. And she goes, well, we've already talked to dad's lawyer. We know what we have to do. And we're in a hurry because we know Medicaid's going to take all of our money. And we know this and that. So I said, well, Mary, let me ask you a question. Um, would you fill out a one-page piece of paper for me? And she said, 
I don't have time to have a memory. I'm not asking you to come in. Would you complete a one page piece of paper? I'm going to send it to you. Give me that information and I will give you a complete written analysis to tell you everything we can do for your mother, when she'll qualify for Medicaid, how much money you'll protect. Turned out they had about $450,000. Their lawyer told them they were going to lose about 250 of it and he'd qualify sometime in the future. I said, Mary, would you just send me the thing? I'll send you. So Mary gets my letter and I think I get a phone call. It's Mary. I'm excited to take the call. And Mary says, what's the big idea? I said, well, Mary, I thought you would like my letter. Your letter says my mother qualifies for Medicaid right now and is not going to lose any money. I said, yes. And did you read the part where I said if they transfer the house like the Office of the Aging told her, she's going to be immediately disqualified? Why should I believe you? Now, I tell that story because Mary's the typical client. They're hearing all this stuff. She's just been to a lawyer. They're going to lose 250 of their 425,000. And this guy says, no, they're going to qualify immediately. And I said, look, Mary, the last thing I want to do is cause you stress. Do what you think is best for your family. But here's how we can help you if you'd like. Well, to make a long story short, Mary hired us. We got her mother qualified immediately. Didn't lose a penny. The father's assets were protected. Funny story, father just died last week. Mother died in October. That was 10 years after we did their planning. So she lived in a nursing home 10 years. Uh, he just died at 92. And that Mary story is real. It tells the story of people, but it also tells the story of how when we value based price, we say, look, we don't say it's this much. We say, look, for one and a half months nursing home cost, we can do this. A nursing home cost at the time was 10,000 a month. So for so if they're looking at it for 15,000, oh my God, but if for one and a half months nursing home, or what's the value if I just gonna save them 250 when another lawyer said they're gonna lose 250, what is that worth to them? So now it's value-based billing and, and what's your value proposition to the client? Again, how do you show it? Now we're fortunate because we built a software that will do that automatically and calculate that and give you those numbers. But again, how do you do it in your business if you're not in elder law or Medicaid planning? How do you show your value? Because clients will pay based on value. And then mm -hmm. maintain that process because you got to make sure the system keeps the work going and moving forward. Because if you don't keep your promises that they're paying you for, you don't have to worry about anything else. You won't have anyone coming at your office. So it's all about accountability, uh, again, and everybody doing their part. Yeah, you know, Dave, everything that you said is 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 right on and you don't need my endorsement but I, I have been making this case for a while with with my people and the reason I start with flat or fixed fees mm -hmm. is because it's so much harder to wrap your head around value-based oh. pricing but the reality is is that that is the true nirvana that's the true place that you want to be because and and in some industries it's very difficult place value, right? So if you're in family law, right? right. It's okay. not like we're here where you, you have a fixed cost for nursing home or you have a certain amount of assets you're protecting. You know, if you're if you're protecting $450,000 that they were going to lose, or even if you say, okay, they weren't going to lose 450, they were going to lose 250. And I can just take 10% of that. I can charge them 25,000 and they're getting a 10X return on that investment with me. And they're going to keep 250,000 people would pay that, right? That's, they, they would pay that, especially if it's a slam dunk. If it's a, there is no way that you're gonna, that you can lose this. If there is a way, then you gotta back off right. some of that value, right? Because they're, they're taking on some risk. But it's, the hardest part to navigate is understanding how your clients perceive the value. Yes. And I think that, it, and then, and then how do you, how do you base your prices on it? Right. So if a client perceives the value at a hundred thousand and you're charging a hundred thousand, they won't do it. Right. 
Nobody's going to spend a hundred thousand right. to, to get a hundred thousand. Um, and the, the other thing to understand is that pricing is all relative. And if you just have a fixed flat fee that you charge for everything, for any client, no matter what, um, it's, you know, you're, you're leaving money on the table for some, and you're going to get client people saying no for others. Cause you box them out. Uh, you have to have a system that puts people into buckets or treats each one individually where you can analyze it, figure out the value, and then base your price on that. Um, my rule of thumb when, when I talk to my clients is if it's if you're providing a slam dunk, if you're basically you're going to give them a solution that's going to actually get them the result and there isn't a chance that they won't get it, um, you need to be at 10, 10, they need to get 10 times the value. So you're one, one tenth of, the, of, of what their value is. Um, but if there is risk on the table, in other words, you might not get them that result, you have to back off of that. And there isn't a magic formula for it, but you have to, you have to have conversations, real conversations with your clients to understand what they'd be willing to pay within yeah. one, once you're looking at it, at, at that, you know, in that, in that, in that sense, in that light. Yeah. Well, you know, what helps with that Moshe, is this, if you're the lawyer drafting your own documents, that's why you're getting you're getting your lunch eaten because you shouldn't be drafting documents. You can yep. get literally a $15 an hour person that's good with typing and really good and high fact finder follow through really efficient to do those documents. Then you can do them for lower fees. You know what? You Or keep your same fee, but delegate down the work to not a lawyer. Why would a lawyer who should be making $250 an hour be doing typing? And that's what so many lawyers do, right? They don't know how to delegate. They don't know because they don't have systems. They don't have that structure where they can be confident in delegating it that it's going to get done correctly. So I think I think we're all on the same page here that, that really, again, it's easy to talk about, right? People listening, no matter where they are in their practice, they're probably thinking, well, that's all great in estate planning. Well, you know, one of our biggest new membership is people transitioning from other areas of law. We call them burnt out litigators, right? They're, they've had enough. Well, how can we do this thing called the estate plan? Well, you can because there's systems, processes, structure, training, teaching. And then within three to six months, you have a very viable, uh, robust. And then by one year to two years, you have robust practices. Um, and, and it's all about anchoring two things, discipline, time. Time's going by anyway. There's no button you push and everything starts happening. It's by being open, understanding to learn new things. That's the hardest thing. Lawyers don't like to change. They've always done it this way, right? Wait till you see the new technology. That's really what we're bringing out in the near future. Lawyers are really going to freak with that, right? That's a whole other podcast we could do is talk about technology and the law and how, how to use it to really increase efficiencies. Yeah, look, I think even your example of going to a $15 an hour person to do drafting, there are solutions today. There's Lawyer, there's Rally.io. Yeah. There's actual pieces of software that you can create templates and then create inputs for the clients to put in. And either you're doing it or they're putting the inputs in. And those exactly. documents are getting drafted automatically. All you need to do is review them. You don't even right. need to, but 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 you right. can, right? So exactly. you, all you need to do is review them. Well, I think ethically now, you got to review them probably. I think it's right. probably. But, but now... Yeah. But, but now you've got you've you've delegated to a piece of software that's not costing you fifteen dollars an hour, right? It could work as many hours as you want, and it doesn't cost you anything more. So I'm saying this to you, but it's really to the listeners. Put your seatbelts on, because the technology, and I know the technology. I'm already released. It's not public yet, but I've already released it. It's in six test markets. It's going to transform the way the practice of law is done. And, and you better put your seatbelts on because we have to change with the times. 
COVID has changed people's expectations. They're no longer looking for you. They're in their life and they expect to just get what they want when they want it. They want real time. They want, they want their needs met. They want to feel like they're your only client, right? And they and they're willing to use technology now. They're willing to get on a Zoom meeting. So so time is speeding up in the practice of law. It's just again about our willingness to adapt and get out of our own limitations that we've put on ourselves. And again, you know, it's, I hate to say this. One point I wanted to make is, you know, if lawyers, I want to give some people a good piece of advice here. There's a lot of lawyers that should not own their own law firm. I don't know if you've come across that, Moshe. There's a, they just don't. But here's what's beautiful. What we found in our model, after working with so many lawyers, you don't have to know how to run a law firm because we'll teach you how to get, bring in what we call the director of operations or the law firm leader who does because we have the systems and processes, then you get to do what you do best. The key is staying in your unique ability. If you're not good at relationships, good. Let's keep you technical, but let's keep you doing those things that you need to be doing for the firm. And we'll help you bring in a law firm leader. We'll call, we call them entrepreneurs. People are like entrepreneurs, but they don't want to take financial risks. So they'll come in and do it for you because our model embraces that and that we want them to do it. Some lawyers shouldn't be in that seat. And we train our lawyers. You know what? You might want to bring in a law firm leader to do this for you because together it's not alone. It's not something we do alone. We need the people around us. Again, systems, processes, uh, EMF. That's how we get to where we're going day at a time, day after day. Time's going by anyway. It's just what are we doing during this time to improve our tomorrow? Yeah. And, and I want to circle back to the conversation that we had about value-based pricing. There's so many... There's so many different ways to to look at to look at pricing, but pricing is just an example of where you need to start thinking outside the box. We have to question the assumptions that we have on what our business model has to look like, and we have to question that everywhere. We have to question it in how we price our services. We have to question it in how we find clients. We have to question it in how we how we actually process the service that we're creating, that we're doing, right? Who's doing it and how's it getting done? And to your point, we have to question, what is my role and what am I doing? And I think that we need to do all of that with the understanding of I am a business and a business has to bring in more revenue than the expenses it takes out in order to be profitable. And as long as I understand that, and, you know, and I've got the book Profit First behind me and, and, and Mike Michalowicz in his book Profit First, um, he says, flip this, the accounting script. It's not revenue minus expenses equals profit. It's revenue minus profit equals expenses. And, you know, you have to you have to decide what is the profit that I want out of my enterprise? What is the oh amount I want to take home? And then when you when you figure out what you want to take home and then you build your business model around it that is when you will achieve the level of success that you want. And the only way to do that is to question everything. And we, you know, we have entire episodes on this podcast dedicated to each of these things. Question the expenses that you're paying, question how you're doing the work, question the amount that you're charging, question the roles of people in your organization, question your planning strategy, your, question your processes and implementation. Everything is on the chopping block. Everything needs to be looked at. One example on you know, in pricing, I was having a conversation. I was uh, on one of my recent coaching calls. We did an entire call on pricing. And one of my coaching clients is a litigator. And you know, they, she charges by the hour. 
Um, and she was having a hard time wrapping her head around this idea of value-based pricing. And I said, well, you know, if somebody comes to you and they're in a $2 million disagreement, right? They're either going to have to defend $2 million or they're gonna have to pay $2 million. They have to defend keeping it or defend, you know, the pre preventing needing to pay it. What's the value to them on, on getting to keep that 2 million or getting that 2 million? Now, obviously in, in litigation, you can't guarantee that that's gonna be the outcome. Right. So you can't say, oh, I'm going to charge you 200,000 and you get to keep your two million. If they knew that that was a, that that was a guarantee, right. they probably would be willing to pay that. Right. Sure. But but if if they're not sure that they're going to be able to keep that, what is the value to them? And then what is their key problem in this process? They don't want to have to they don't want to have to be open ended. They don't want to have to pay you up front. So when you start looking at where are they sitting as as a as a client? Well, what about doing a subscription model for them? Exactly. What about charging them, you know, $5,000 a month and some months I'm going to be really busy for you. And some months we're not going to do anything, but you're just going to pay me $5,000 a month for the duration of this, of this thing. And if I know that my average, you know, my average case takes me two years, well, I know I'm going to get $120,000 from that, but to them, it's $5,000 a month. It's a tiny right. expense and in a, in a larger exactly. enterprise. Exactly. It's funny. You talked about the book profit behind it. I've never heard of it. But our number one downloaded item on our website is what we call our revenue focuser. Because what we do, we say, what are your expenses every month? We say, how much money do you want to make? We add those two together and say, okay, this is what your revenue is going to be. How are you going to get there? And it takes you through an exercise and say, how am I going to get to that revenue number, right? Same formula. One of the things I'll tell you, though, you know, um, you're saying, how about people have to change? I think it's really important that lawyers understand. Lawyers are really conservative. I think you understand this, Moshe. Um, it's not an or proposition. It's not an or. It's not like we can be profitable or we can be a good lawyer. It's no, we're not unethical because we're profitable. It's, it's not an ethics issue. It's a wholeness issue. Why are we doing this? It's a business. How do we do it efficiently? The only, it doesn't mean you're a less lawyer and you give less quality work. It's not about that. It's giving higher quality work in a more efficient way where people are willing to pay you more. If they can get their head wrapped around that concept, that's not taught anywhere. And it's counterintuitive to people who aren't entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial people, it's real easy. Create value, people will pay you. If you build it, they will come, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think what's really important for your lawyers, there's so many lawyers on this phone call. I know they're listening because I deal with so many of you. It's like, oh my God, I, I can't do that. It's bad to make money. No, 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 no. They're two separate independent things. Money is just a measure of how efficient you are providing good services. That's what your right. profit is. It's a measure of your success of being able to provide your services efficiently. It's not a decrease of your services. It's not less of your services. It's not less than what you're supposed to be. It's and. It's that and doing it efficiently. That's where profitability comes in. That's the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial order. You and I got to write yeah. a book together, Moshe. I'm telling you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because you have that exercise that you do. And I do a very similar exercise, but I but I leave expenses out of it. So I, I basically have my clients identify what is the amount of money you want to take home? Like, what's your personal need out of the firm? And then we use a, a division factor. So basically, where should your expenses be in a healthy business? Right. And we back into your revenue number from there. Then we work on your on your model to say, OK, can we keep our expenses to the right level to make the math work? Where if I bring in this much revenue, then I take this much profit home. Um, and because so many times the business is inefficient. And if I don't challenge you 
to fix your expenses problem. Entrepreneurs are, I mean, and business owners are, you know, we always think that we're going to fix the next crisis by bringing in more revenue. You said a magic word to me, magic word. You said model, model. So I, I can only speak to my model, but it lowers a purpose. We're teaching people estate planning, right? There's three different paths you can go, right? The brain surgeon model is the first one, right? Where it's, hey, you know what? When, when OJ Simpson got arrested for murdering Nicole, they say, hey, where's a good lawyer? I can get a good deal. No, no. He said, my life is on the line. I want the best. And he got right. one green team, right? So people that have high need, high pressure, they're going to pay a big price. That's a different practice model. What you do there is sole lawyer, low cost staff. You're doing most of the work and you're getting paid for it, right? Now, the, the other extreme is commodity model, right? Commodity is get them in, get them out, quick, fast, easy, technology. Okay, those models, a lot of paraprofessionals, a lot of non-paraprofessionals doing the work to take the load off. Great. Then in the middle, we have this thing called an experienced practitioner model, which says, listen, people are willing to pay more, but not a lot more for people that are really have a, a nice way of doing things. So this is process and things of that nature. So this middle model is an each one of these models have different marketing strategies, have different staffing strategies, and different pricing models. The word, your magical word, model. What business model are you? So in ours, we have three different business models you could do. You could do the solo with one to two staff, the solo with five to seven staff, or you can do multiple attorney with multiple staff. And we show you the multiplier for each model. and You get to pick which one you want. But the models are, are scaled. They scale. And it's, it's understanding it's business. It's not emotion. So many lawyers deal with emotion. Oh, I don't have enough business. I got too much business. No, you don't have business because you didn't market. That's why you don't have business, right? And if you don't have, if you did market, you get a lot of people coming in, but you're not getting hired, then you're not selling properly, right? And if right. you're getting hired, but you're not getting paid, then you're not getting the work done, right? So these are all systems of process, all right? Relationship management system, client enrollment system, um, estate planning creation system, right? And then the, the relationship, the, the follow-up system, we have a maintenance program for our clients where they, in addition to hiring us for the things, they, they pay us an annual fee to become part of our law firm community where they get access to us without paying all year round. So these are things about community. This is the future, building community where people know they're not gonna get nickel and dime, where people can feel, and that you can't do that if you don't have processes and structures to keep the cost down on this thing. Absolutely. All it all comes down to the word, what's your business model? Yep, absolutely. And, and people are afraid of that, right? They think, oh, I need to have this comprehensive business plan. And, you know, and all of a sudden it's, ah, that's too much for me. And, you know, I'm just going to go and do my thing. And the problem is, is that you could be doing your thing for 20 years and then have nothing <laughs> to show for it when you're done. Um, and, and, and that's really the big issue. And, I, you know, I think that, you know, Pete, you said people want things now. And the bottom line is, is you're not going to convert your law firm from a $50,000 practice to a, to a million dollar practice in one year. Um, and, and that might not even be where you want to go. Uh, but if you, if you decide where you want to go and you have a plan to get there and you take consistent action on that plan, you will get there way faster than if you just tried to wing it and go day by day and hope for the best. Um, and, you know, and that's really the key is, is eliminate the detours, make sure that you're on track to where you want to go and make sure that it's in alignment with what you really want. The last thing you want to do is show up at, you know, 10 years from now and saying, wow, I'm a success, but I hate my life, right? That you don't want to, you don't want to be there. And, and 
honestly, that's what I did. And I'm, this is my, my second career. Some would argue a third, um, you know, I spent 20 years in the IT industry and yeah, I knew what I was doing. I was really good at what I did, but I woke up miserable every day. I did. I wasn't doing what lit me up. I wasn't doing where, where my passion lie, where, where I felt like I was serving the world in the capacity that I was brought on earth to do. And ultimately it sucks that I spent 20 years to get there, but it's part of my journey. It's part of my story. It's part of who I am. And it's part of how I, I know what I know today to be able to help the people that I help today. So I don't regret it, but I would love to help people short circuit that. I would love to help people, you know, cut out some of those detours and try to get to where they're going on a, on a much speedier path. In a simple way, I would say you found your end. How do I get both? How do I get what I do well? And, you know, and again, you know, we're probably talking in circles to some extent, but it's all about knowing what we're really good at. Each one of us, the listeners, you and I, there's something we're really good at. And here's what I tell people, ask three people, you know, what do you see as my strength? What do you think my greatest strength is? Ask five people in your life. And I'm telling you, it's going to come back to a common theme. Once you do that, find it and then focus on that. And the rest will happen. Focus on what you do easily and naturally. Just If you got angst listening to this conversation, consider the possibility that maybe you shouldn't be the one in this conversation. You need to partner with someone who likes this conversation because people who like this conversation need the people that don't like this conversation. My partner, Jen's been with me 17 years. We are perfect uh, with each other. We run our law firm. She runs it. She lets me go do all my stuff and, and we work well together, but she would never want to do my part. I would never want to do hers. That's the key thing. Finding what's unique, what we love doing. If you do what you love, the rest will happen. And, and again, it's about building the model around doing what you love. So, I've had multiple guests on the podcast here that had very rapid success and have built decent sized firms. And their secret to success was the fact that they had a partnership where one of them was in charge of the, the business growth and the other was in charge in the, of, of the client delivery. And, um, and, the technician, and, you, when right? you, and the entrepreneur, right. When you see, when you realize that there are these different roles. And if you try to wear both hats, you're always competing against the other one. And you can't, you can't get to that level that you want owning um, both of those. The other book that's behind me is the book Traction. I don't know if you're familiar yeah. with it. I am an EOS uh, company. Okay. So uh, Gino Wickman in the book Track, Traction introduces this, the EOS system. And the key concept in that book that, you know, if there's one takeaway that you can get, it's this concept of the visionary and the integrator. Um, and that is that there's two seats at the top. And one is the visionary, the person who sees the possibility, who's who comes up with the ideas. That's the person who needs a, note, a waterproof notepad in the shower because <laughs> by the time that they're done with their morning shower, they've already gotten 10 or 15 ideas that have come to them. That's the visionary. The integrator is the person who's really good at, at creating those checklists and making sure that things are getting done and executing on the plan. And those two are very different roles. And although when you start, you have to wear both hats, when you know you have yes. no choice when you start your law firm, um, and and this goes back to Michael Gerber, right? The visionary integrator is one, but you also have uh, you you know the technician, the manager, and you know and the business owner. You have to recognize that there's you know that business owner is probably the visionary. If you start correlating the EOS system with Michael Gerber's ideas, uh, but you have to realize that there's more than two, right? There might even be a third. Uh, and the sooner that we can start to separate those, 
the faster we can yeah. accelerate our growth. Um, you know, I can even say in, in, in my own, in my own growing of my company, I am the bottleneck. Oh when, yeah. Big time. When I, whenever somebody needs to rely on me to get something done, it gets delayed. It doesn't happen when it should. And i my primary focus is to remove me from the day to day as much as possible because I thrive and excel right here behind the microphone, right here on coaching calls, talking to people, you know, that like that, that's where I, you know, I, my time is best spent and coming up with ideas, walking around. I not, there's nothing better for me than to go for a two hour bike ride, because when I'm done with that bike ride, the next quarter is going to be exciting. Yeah. But you have a team around you, right? And that's the yeah. key trick, right? Knowing, and again, that's what I've had so much. Why I, I love getting up in the morning because these attorneys come in or organization, they start, and then they get to discover their own strengths. Most of them have never had these conversations. And I'm going to use a different word. Most of them have never been given permission to say it's okay not to love law. No, their permission to say it is okay to love law and not love all this entrepreneurial stuff. And so the key is to find your place and then even if you're not the entrepreneur, how to find your entrepreneur, but we call them intrapreneurs because we don't want somebody. Now you can find an attorney one, or you can find ones that are non-attorneys that come in and help you become your best version of you. The processes will help you make a million dollars. We have attorneys making a million dollars a year, but just being them with their internal staff and not even needing a second lawyer. And so it's where you fit best. And then finding that structure again, and knowing if you do need to bring in that person, you can bring in an entrepreneur as much as you could bring in the, the technicians, right? So it's just a choice, but it's understanding the model. Yeah, I, I think it's a great thing. And I think in the law, we have the greatest responsibility, I think, to the public, and we have the greatest opportunity. The public comes to us, you know, um, and, you know, people hate lawyers and they love lawyers, right? They're the first ones they call when they have a problem, but they're the first ones they have speak ill about. And, and again, that has a lot to do with a lot of things, but I can tell in our area of the law, Meta asset protection, state planning, people don't have that. They're part of a community family. We get together for social events with our clients. They love it. They refer their friends and because they want them in the same social circles. And so it's a great practice, you know, when you're in the right one and you love what you're doing. Um, it, and, and then when you love it, then guess what happens? You start to make money at it. Once you devise those, those standards and those models, then, you know, and it's out there, whether it's, you know, estate planning, what I do, but there's other models for litigators. There's so many models out there. People have done this. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to go create a, a hamburger franchise. You can just go buy a McDonald's. You don't need, right, to, to do it all. But again, it's finding that balance. And where do you sit best in this process and in the model? Yeah, love that. And Dave, this is a really good place for us to end the conversation because as you know, we could probably go on for hours. Uh, <laughs> you know, this, there's just so much to cover when it comes to talking about business, talking about strategies, mindset, all of that stuff. Um, and ultimately, I, I think we've, we've come up with some really, really good points for the people who, who are listening to this, even though you thought that at some points, we might have been revisiting issues, talking in circles. But the reason we get back to something is because it's really important because it's, it's right. Exactly. It's a fundamental. I love that word. Um, so folks, go back and listen to this again. You know, listen to this episode a second time and take some notes and, and understand like where where am I doing where am I making a misstep in my in my journey? 
what what has resonated with me? Um, what has been foreign to me? What's a new concept that maybe I need to try? Uh, or maybe I just need to read another book. Um, but go back and, and, and take some takeaways from this episode so that you can further your journey um, and, you know, and, and continue on your path to success, your path to profitability, whatever success means to you. You know, success is it, you get to define what that means. It, it's not what other people think. It's it's what you think. And for some people, success is just being able to go back, go down to 20 hours a week. For some people, success is being able to to you know fund their you know their their grandchildren's in uh, you know retirement account uh, or or I'm sorry college account or something you know something like that right so you you figure out what success means to you and then go out and get that go out and, and harness that success Dave I'm gonna leave with, with two last things for you one I want you to have the ability to share how somebody can get in touch with you follow up with you check out your your resources what is the next step to take with you and the Second, can you leave our audience with if you can, if you if I brought you on the podcast and said you have one thing you can share with my audience, what would that be? Leave us with one parting uh, piece of advice or something you want to share with uh, with our listeners. Okay, um, so Dave Zimpano, uh, lawyerswithpurpose.com, uh, lawyerswithpurpose.com, or info at lawyerswithpurpose.com. If you'd just like to start a conversation about what we do. Um, the one piece of advice, you know, I guess the one piece of advice is you're okay right where you are. Okay. Everything's okay. The world around you is insane, but you're okay. Just decide, decide. Latin side means to cut off. Decide what you want. And once you decide, then commit. That's it. It's that simple. Time is going by anyway. It's just what you're doing during that time. Decide what you want in your life and then commit to getting it, wherever it is. Once you decide, then your brain automatically starts to explore things. And that's right in front of you once you decide. So that, that would be my piece of advice in a nutshell. I love that, Dave. Um, one of the things that I talk about a lot, and I, I shared this with, uh, with the audience at the Law Firm Growth Summit in February, uh, is that the number one killer of law firm businesses is indecision. And um, these, the opposite of that is making decisions. And, um, you know, you focused on one specific decision, but ultimately uh, every day we have decisions that come across. And when we don't make a decision, when we sit in indecision, we've essentially um, clogged up our brain with an unnecessary piece that doesn't need to be there. And at the same time, have made the decision not to do something. So uh, make decisions, make them quickly. Uh, don't do them knee-jerk reaction. Think about them, you know, come at them with, with thought, but make decisions. And that is a great piece of advice to leave our audience. Folks, this has been an unbelievable conversation with Dave. Um, check out lawyerswithpurpose.com. Send an email to them at info at lawyerswithpurpose.com. We're going to link all that up in the show notes. So just look in the description of this episode or visit us at profitwithlaw.com and you will see the entire post for this episode complete with summary, uh, key points, and all the links to the things that we shared, including the books, as well as our book club, profitwithlaw.com forward slash book club. And if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, hit the subscribe button. Let people, let us let you know when we are, uh, when we are releasing a new episode and we're here twice a week, every Tuesday and every Thursday, Thursday is our guest episode day and Tuesday, uh, it's just me 
behind the microphone, sharing whatever is on my mind, whatever's on my heart at that moment. And um, I hope that you tune in to other episodes that we have, because we have a vast library of episodes already created, as well as the future that's going to come. Um, and the last thing is, is don't keep this to yourself, right? That our ability to succeed in this world is by helping others. Start by sharing this particular episode with somebody in your circle who is a law firm owner who would benefit from it and just tell them, hey, listen, I just listened to this episode. Check it out. It's been, it's really impactful. And I think that you might gain from it. Um, and you'll be helping us in that regard as well, because that'll help us get more exposure. But ultimately, it's about helping you and helping others. And you can do that by simply sharing this episode. And with that, I'm going to say, enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend, and I will catch you on our next episode on Tuesday. Folks, thank you so much for being a listener, whether this is your first time or you've been here since day one. I appreciate you. And I hope that we did a good job of making your life better with the value that we provided today. Take care. Have you been enjoying the show? We sure hope so. To make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app. Next week, we will be back with more valuable resources and ideas on how to break the mold and take your law firm to the next level.